Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Life Podcast. And my guest today is Nico Thamadog. Fantastic fella. Stoked to have you on. Thank you so much. Would you be able to tell well, us? Thank you a... for having me, Kyle. I'm excited yeah, for to be sure. here, man. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself? 100%. So I do a couple of things, but the main thing that I do is I own an online fitness coaching company. Um, recently, pretty cool. We got featured in Apple News as top 10 fitness and health industry leaders of 2023. So I don't like to toot my own horn, but that was a pretty cool feature that just happened like a week or so ago. Uh, we helped what we define as hard workers. And really, those are people who have the mindset to put in work. They've got resilience. They've got the discipline to get shit done. They just need a little bit of guidance to know exactly what steps to take. And those people include ex-military, C-level executives, healthcare practitioners, some of the hardest working people who've grinded their entire lives with their career. And now they just want to put that energy towards their health and fitness. Nice. Have you noticed a, a big difference in their day-to-day, -day, obviously, yeah, their day-to-day -day living while implementing the fitness? How's, has their... Has there has the success in their venture? So whether it's the business or whatever, has it increased? Have you seen their output increase with the better health? One hundred percent. Once people start eating healthier, they start working out more frequently. Their energy levels rise. Their stress levels do uh, go down. They just have a higher capacity to take on more stress, and it leads to leveling up in all areas of their life from their careers to their family life so I've, i haven't had a single person say that they regret getting in shape <laughs> that's pretty awesome uh so with with that obviously there is a solid chunk of going from comfort to discomfort and we were talking about pre-show uh the dichotomy of the comfort and discomfort where you find yourself in comfort for a long period of time where it's tough to get into that discomfort, but you know, the discomfort is where the progress is coming from. Right. So mm -hmm. in, in saying that you're in a place where there's comfort, I'm in a place where there's comfort. And this podcast is a way of me getting out of discomfort. Where, where do, where do we start when it comes to introducing that discomfort so that we kind of shake up our comfort zone a little? It's challenging because it depends on the person and their tolerance to step outside of that comfort zone. Like the first step would be deciding what you want to do and what you want to accomplish because the desire for what it is that you want needs to outweigh the upcoming level of stress that's going to happen when you step out of that comfort zone. And I see it all the time with, we work with some bodybuilding competitors, men's physique competitors, and the desire to step on stage needs to be very strong because the process of going through a contest prep sucks. It's, uh, it's horrible. Like you feel like crap the entire time, and it's very analytical. It's very disciplined. You're like a robot, and you can't do anything fun with your friends if you want to win, at least. But you have to want it that bad. And I've seen other people who've claimed to want it, but not to the degree where they're comfortable with getting rid of the things that they 
love or are comfortable with eliminating and then they just retreat back into their comfort zone and never get to accomplish what they want so i think the first step is really deciding what it is that you truly want and how badly do you want it and is it worth it to you so that you have a an objective that's like really really dialed in something that uh, i struggle with is the the discomfort it's it's the discomfort of not not quite um not quite where you're not like a comparison syndrome but there is the hesitation to change because of feeling feeling like you're so far behind you know have you have you experienced that and what are what are some ways that you took that and just rolled it over for example or overcame that yeah that one's a tough one i felt that in off the top of my head two places in my life one is in fitness when i've competed for shows in times where i would do back-to-back shows one would be on a Saturday and then the upcoming show would be the following weekend. We'd do the first show, do really well, take the overall, but I knew the the upcoming show was going to be more difficult and the competitors would be at a higher level. And I was looking on Instagram at these people and looking at their physiques and comparing their delts with my delts or their chat. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I am screwed for this upcoming show. (laughs) I am going to get my ass handed to me. Fucked. And it was the worst. And the stress just from thinking about how much farther ahead they were made me look like crap because when you're stressed, you hold on to more water, you retain more water, and the definition doesn't look as sharp when you step on stage. And it just set me so far back. I came in third place when I, this example I'm thinking about, I came in third place in that second show. And then, to be honest, even if I wasn't stressed, I feel like I could have maybe come in second. I was not going to take first place. But the added stress of comparison syndrome set me back on entire placing. So that was one challenge. And the other area that I'm really facing that is another part of my life that I really value. And that's my entrepreneurial journey and comparing myself to other business owners who are further along in the game than I am and seeing their progress accelerate at a pace that's far faster than my own. And one thing that I've noticed that's in common between the two things is, yes, they are further ahead. Yes, they are doing better, but the thing that helps me really back in is we're different people. We've got different desires. We've got different goals. We've got different starting points. They may have started sooner or later than I have. They may have had an entirely different journey along the way to the same place that we are today. It's not fair to compare their results with my own because our journeys are completely different. And once I start to just remind myself of that, it helps me to be kinder to myself and remember that what somebody else is doing and what they've got going on doesn't truly affect what I'm doing with my life. It only starts to affect me if I stare at it and if I obsess over it and it means nothing. So it's kind of like the grass is greener on the other side. 
Yeah, man. There's actually, every time I hear that saying, there's a, a song lyric that I really, really like <clears throat> that I always share. But uh, it's by, the band is John Butler Trio. Really cool. If you like, if you like a, a, like a variety of tunes, then it's really cool to listen to. But he has this one song that's called Better Than. And uh, I'm not sure how exactly it goes. And I'm probably not going to sing it. But the main point that he says is that uh, we're looking across the fence and the grass may be greener, but it's just as hard to mow. Oh, and wow. I think I think that's a that's really a cool. I think it's a really cool perception shift that I that I heard that and then I just felt it in my brain. I'm like, whoa, whoa, yeah. Why don't I take care of my own lawn rather than thinking about how amazing that lawn is over there? It's just as hard to mow. It's just I'm not treating my lawn with the yeah. same respect they're treating their lawn with. And that was a that was a really yeah. cool one. And it's a so- sweet song. It has a banjo and stuff. It's awesome. It's super awesome. <laughs> so so what in so you weren't always freaking swole you weren't suffering from swoliosis your whole life uh where were where were you at before this man where were you at before health was health kind of like a defining pivotal like transition from old nico to new nico tell me about that man yeah i didn't really prioritize my health growing up i don't think most people do I wasn't in a household where people or my parents prioritized eating clean and working out. It was almost the opposite. Parents almost like thought that was weird. <laughs> uh, but gave a time where I was like almost 20. I was just a scrawny little kid at that point, And I didn't want to feel that way. I was insecure. wasn't confident in myself or I wasn't as confident as I could have been. And somehow I ended up in the gym. I don't remember what sparked the drive to just show up to the gym and start working out. But I did. And after a few days or weeks or months or whatever, I started to have fun pushing myself and testing my boundaries and seeing how far I could really go. And it just became a challenge to see what I could do with my own two hands. And I started to just fall in love with the process. And I realized that it wasn't the outcome that I needed in the mirror or on the scale to feel good about myself. It was the process of becoming more disciplined, to becoming more resilient, and just building the character traits that you can take with you for the rest of your life and apply to different areas. Those character traits that are necessary to accomplish a goal in fitness gave me the confidence to believe in myself and to set goals that I once thought were impossible because I was able to prove to myself that I could accomplish big things that once seemed impossible to me with my own two hands. So fitness kind of transformed my life in that way. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I think something that's really cool that uh, I think a majority of folks that really get things dialed in, it starts with their health because when we can, I, I think, I think of the body like a business when we can, look at the data, make informed decisions and understand and reflect and be like, where can we improve? Then we can really, we build up the consistency. We see that discipline and it definitely does carry over to other aspects of our life. Uh, and in saying that and having yourself where you had the family, have the family where it's a cool dichotomy where it was the family that wasn't super into fitness and health, but now you're a father that is working with health and fitness. And that's obviously going to 
impact and influence your kids. And I actually, similar to generational wealth, I think generational health is very important as well. So as a new parent, where, what kind of lessons do you want to instill in your kids that you wish you knew earlier in life? That's a loaded question. On the topic of health and fitness, what I really want my kids to see is the character traits required to accomplish big goals. Like that's first and foremost. I think they need to learn that one way or another uh, to accomplish anything because life's not going to be easy. So discipline, consistency, resilience, great. Like those are the things that I want them to learn. And they're going to see that based off of my example and my wife's example. And then the other areas that I want them to learn along the way that I wish I had learned sooner are just what food is made of, you know, protein, carbs, fats, and really understanding what is good, nutritious food versus what is junk food and why is it junk food and why is it bad? Why is it not bad? Why are people saying that this type of diet is good and other people are saying it's bad? I want them to be aware of the foundation of nutrition. So then later down the road, it's going to be easy for them to make the judgment call of how to live a healthy lifestyle. You know, I'm not necessarily teaching my you know, three-year-old <laughs> what um, carbs and fat intake they need to aim for right now, but I'm showing them a piece of steak and saying, this is protein. You're going to build big muscles like your dad. And nice. they think it's awesome. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Uh, so I imagine you take on many parents for your coaching program. What are some of the misconceptions parents have around taking care of their health? That's tough because parents, once you become a parent, everything changes and everything becomes about your kids and making sure that they are good. So when you start taking away time from them to focus on yourself, it feels selfish and it's easy to say, no, I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm going to spend time with my family instead. But the thing is when you do prioritize your health and fitness, you then become a better version of yourself and you show up in a different way and more powerfully for your kids. So it might feel selfish when you look at it one way, but in reality, it's both selfish and selfless in a way because it's enhancing your kid's perception of you. They're seeing what it means to live a healthy, fit lifestyle. They're seeing a good example of that and they can model it in the future. And that's how you start to build that generational health you mentioned earlier is living that lifestyle for you and your kids. It is tough though, but that's the most common misconception that a lot of parents face. Makes sense. Uh, is there a lesson? I'm just kind of coming up with, I'm very curious about this, but is there a lesson that, or is there a belief that you had before being a father that you reflect on it now being a father and you think, wow, I was so off. Uh, I can't think of one specific belief but i think i was blindsided with how much more challenging scheduling my life would become like i'm very fortunate that my wife is a stay-at-home mom and she's there to take care of the kids and our kids are not yet in school but i already can tell 
we're gonna shit's gonna hit the fan when school comes around and i'm driving kids to school and picking them up after school stuff like that like there are just so many things that you are unaware of that's going to take up so much of your time and energy that simply saying i'm gonna wake up at 5 a.m and go to the gym is not as simple anymore it was so easy without kids like you think i'm just gonna continue that when i have kids it's like nah you gotta be a little bit more flexible with how you approach your day that's pretty sweet so we were chatting before kind of mentioned earlier but we were talking about comfort zones and discomfort um for for someone that's just starting out with you do you have like clients that are coming in do you have a way of or do you have do you find that having a method to reframe or shift the perspective shift the identity do you have a system that for that do you find that that is important to modify and change to pursue a goal yeah absolutely so when it comes to stepping out of your comfort zone you have to be careful of how far you step out of your comfort zone and the common mistake that people make is they'll just go zero to 100. They're like, all right, I'm just going to go all in on this new workout plan, this new diet, this new business venture. I'm just going all in. But when you take your stress and the pressure levels to the max, it's very easy to burn out. It's very easy to fizzle out after a couple of days or weeks on a particular plan. So to avoid that, you have to think of stepping out of your comfort zone instead of being black and white, but more so on a scale on a scale of one to ten like how far are you stepping out of your comfort zone and with our clients and people who come into our program we don't want to take them from zero to ten we want to go zero maybe to a three or a four and get comfortable there build that up and then step out of your comfort zone further and the way that we do that with our system is we take a look at what's the most or what's going to have the most bang for your buck? What are the few changes that we need to make that are going to lead to the biggest results initially? And most of the time, the people we work with, they're already working out consistently at the gym. They're already trying to eat healthy and they've eliminated their favorite foods. So at that point, all we need to do is keep that the same and keep working out consistently. We're going to keep eating those same types of foods we're not going to change up your meal timing whatsoever. Whatever meal timing that you've got going on probably fits within your lifestyle, probably fits within your preferences with when you're hungry, when you're not hungry. The biggest change that we can make are the portion sizes and making your life a little bit easier with the recipes that you're cooking so that meal prep doesn't take you an hour. And if we can simplify those few things, people start losing weight very quickly start losing body fat without drastically changing their lifestyle. And then once they get used to that, three, four weeks in, we'll make another change. And we just continue down that path until they accomplish a goal. I think um, especially when, or I've had clients in the past that have come to me and say, I'm going to, I'm going on a vacation. I want to train for the vacation. I want to look good on the beach. And then I would ask like, okay, how long do we got? four weeks. Where do you think, obviously social media plays a role in this, but how do you help people understand that it is a long, significantly longer journey than they think? 
I think painting a picture of what the process is supposed to look like and setting realistic expectations plays a huge role. Often people think that they can, you know, get to a goal a lot sooner than what's truly possible. But once you understand that the process of building muscle is very slow, it can take up to a month just to put on a quarter of a pound of muscle, it really starts to shift your belief. Like for our clients, if anybody's focusing on building muscle, I tell them, if you can gain a quarter of a pound or even half a pound in a month, you're killing it. You're doing a great job. That's on point. If you want to put on 10 pounds of muscle, this is going to take us quite a while. <laughs> and same thing with fat loss. You know, the rate of progression on average, pound a week, if you take it nice and slow, if you need 30 pounds to lose, it might take you half a year to get there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think framing things into making sure that people are aware of that, like the process, the the expectations is so important because I think when people are open up their eyes to uh, how much how how long it's going to take, not how much effort, but how long it'll take, I think it has the ability to just. Uh, like it's like a weight is lifted because I don't, I think when we take away that urgency where we turn that urge of into an urgency of speed, 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 I get everything else as quickly as possible. I obviously have to get these goals as quickly as possible too, or else I'm a failure. But I believe that with what you're saying, where you're able to reframe it, when you're able to have a conversation, shift the perspective and say, you know what, we're going for the long-term longevity this is for the rest of your life. I think that it definitely lifts a weight off the shoulders and that unnecessary societal pressure of doing things as quickly as possible and as fast as possible. Yeah. The only time it's going to take you longer to get something done is if you're in a hurry. So just slow it down and enjoy the process. Totally. For the, for the process, do you find, how do you find, how do you shift from dreading the process to enjoying the process. Is there a shift in mind? Is there a reframe that you coach others or that you personally go with? I find that everybody's different in what they enjoy about the process. So we got to figure that out together when I work with clients. We might start them off on a four-day workout split and we focus on upper body, lower body, anterior, posterior. And then somewhere along the lines, they say they really enjoy this exercise. They're really having fun doing squats or deadlifts. And from there, I have something to work with. And I'm like, okay, let's start working on a plan that prioritizes your strength for squats if you really enjoy that movement. Because if you enjoy it, you're going to do more of it. You're going to put more effort towards it. You're going to get better results. So those are the nuances with coaching is really identifying like, what's vibing with your client. What do they love? What are they disliking? Because if somebody has an exercise in their program or a food in their meal plan that they just hate and they dread it, they're not going to stick with that for the rest of their lives. We got to take that thing out and find the substitution instead of trying to shift their belief around that food or that exercise and get them to think like they have to do this because nothing is truly black and white with health and fitness. You can be really in shape without doing certain exercises or eating certain foods. We just got to find what works for you and what you like. That's something that I've learned in the last, uh, I would say in the last like two, three years is where I really stepped up 
just coaching and just trying to be a better coach. And I think a common misconception that I've used to have, or I've noticed for myself and then also with coaching others, or at least in the health industry specifically, is that it's much more done with you than done for you. So where you're, you're meeting the client where they're at and figuring out, okay, you like this, you don't like this. Let's continue doing the thing you like. We'll take away the thing you don't. And then we're able to decrease the resistance change. I, I found that when people understand that the communication and the relationship is there, where it's actually done with you, it creates a much healthier environment than it's done for you where people, I think people for any program that I've been a part of, where it's done for you, where there hasn't been like a, a touch point, where there hasn't been as much conversation, it's slowed progress because I thought, oh, I have the program. I'm in the program. The program's done for me. I don't have to take action. And I think that's the, that's the, that's the little comparison, the difference between uh, what people perceive a coaching program to be and what it truly is. So there's the roadmap, then there's the support and meeting the client where they are and taking it from there. So I think it's pretty cool. Oh, I'm with you on that. Done for you, cookie cutter plans. The problem is, yeah, they might work, but you have to make sure that you continue doing it for the rest of your life to keep the results. But if you right off the bat already hate it, it's probably designed for failure. And that's the biggest benefit of a done with you coaching program is you get to learn what works best for you and what you're down to do for the rest of your life, because that's how you make it sustainable. Absolutely. So where is it that you see your life going? Like, where is it that you want to go? You obviously moved into a my own home province where the yeah it's much chiller because you were in Ontario before, right? Yeah, that's right. It's so much more chill in many different ways. <laughs> it's a lot colder out here, but super chill. And, ah, oh, man, it is tough because Ontario, I was like right in Toronto and I was right into the fitness community. Like the biggest bodybuilders, the biggest competitors that you see on social media from Toronto, we all knew each other and the vibe to grow and to keep pushing was there. And then I moved out here. And everybody's so chill, you know, like everybody, like businesses are closed on weekends. Like, that's a thing out here. Like you don't see that in Ontario and people take the winter off from working or the summer off from working. And I'm like, wow, this is nice. And the past year, I've really found what it's like to just be in a very comfortable comfort zone. And quite honestly, I've loved it. I've enjoyed it because I spent all of my 20s grinding with fitness my business starting my family it's all been about growth so I could enjoy my 30s and I'm turning 30 this year but I don't feel the need to chill out yet you know or chill out any longer like I know that to truly live you have to learn you have to grow you have to step out of that comfort zone and I want to continue down that path to accomplish big goals for not just my physique anymore, but for my business and growing our company and having more coaches under our, under our roster with more clients and impacting more lives. I'm at that stage where 
I need to step out of this comfort zone that I've been in for the past year. <laughs> and it's tough because I need to have that desire that I was talking about to outweigh the discomfort of you know, sacrificing ah, all this chill, not working type of vibe. <laughs> That's interesting. Do you find uh, the environment, obviously the chill, the chillness of New Brunswick is definitely an impact. Have you found that the things that are kind of the same, so how you coach in Ontario and how you coach now, do you find that there is a difference in how you show up for your clients because of the go, go, go of Toronto and the chill, chill, chill of New Brunswick? Hmm. Yes. Now that I'm a lot more chill and I'm a lot more relaxed, I'm genuinely just happier and I'm having a lot more fun with everything that I'm doing. So the pressure that I place on other people is not quite to the degree that it was before, but I find that people are having more fun with accomplishing their goals with me and they're enjoying the process more and they end up getting to their goals with certainty because they like the process and they enjoy the program and the vibe that we give. So I've actually found that I have been growing in terms of my physique and with my business over the past year, despite the pressure being much lower. So that's where it's getting confusing. Things are feeling easier in my comfort zone and things are growing, but I want things to continue growing. And I feel like if I stepped out of my comfort zone, things would grow even faster. But then I'm getting into that stage where am I just in a hurry for no good reason? And am I just rushing and I don't know why? And am I just going to make it worse by doing so? <laughs> so now I'm like, am I tapping, stepping out too far out or not enough? So so I got to figure it out. I think that's a really cool, uh, that's a really cool, I think that's a really cool problem to have. It's a really cool problem to figure out. You're, <clears throat> you got the, the, you got the growth on the business side where you already put the foundation, you already set it. And now it's still, it's building itself up. And I think it's cool because I find I find it interesting that you st still have that drive. I think it's an innate drive. I think that people are drawn towards progress. I think it's just the way that we're built because of when we have progress, then we have purpose. And I think it's so interesting because I can imagine many folks thinking, well, if your business is growing and you have a chill environment, you have a family, you have a home. What, what reason, what desire would you have to challenge yourself to progress forward? Where does that drive come from? Where does that feeling come from? Do you think? Oh, uh, not exactly sure. I've known that it's been there since I was small. At first, it was because I felt like I had something to prove. When I was a teenager, early 20s, typical man wanted to just prove that I was worthy of something. I wanted to prove to my friends, to my colleagues at work, to my employers at the time that I was competent, that I was good at my job, that I had what it takes to accomplish things. And that's what I spent the majority of my 20s doing but I've accomplished a lot of the things that I set my mind to. 
I've accomplished a lot of the things that I wrote down as my big audacious goals and accomplished everything and beyond what I thought was possible. And I still find that drive to do more. So it's not no longer a need to prove to others what I'm capable of. At this point, it just feels like I want to prove something to myself. And I don't know where that comes from, but I do know that it's still present. And I'm not exactly sure why, but I can use it to my advantage. So I like it. <laughs> I have a, a theory around it because I find the people that I personally want to like enjoy surrounding myself with have an innate desire. And I believe that it is a pull towards service where it's an innate drive to create something better, to create more. And I think a lot of people have that drive within them, but try to push it down and try to suffocate it rather than allowing it to flourish, allowing it to grow, uh, not fostering that growth, that curiosity. Because yeah. I think of it this way where Tony Robbins, back when he first started, he didn't do anything, but he he knew that he wanted to make an impact on people's lives. He didn't know how, but he had that innate, like that draw. And still look at him to this day. He's still a person of service. He wants to help people. I, I think I think more people I think when I decide to foster that, to bring that to the forefront and actually identify as a service-based, like I want to serve and help and create. I don't want to destroy. I want good intentions, not ill intentions. And what I found is that for me, the only variable that was preventing me uh, from living a life of service was my resistance to changing myself. Mm. So at any point in your, your life, where do you find... Do you find that the do you find that the, do you find that the most difficult part is realizing those behaviors that are automatic? Do you think having the self-awareness to realizing those behaviors are not in acts of service? Where would you there is a question somewhere in there, but where would you start with figuring out the characteristics to keep and the characteristics to reject or the thoughts to keep and the thoughts to reject. A good question. I think the way to assess whether a thought or an action is serving you is simply being aware of what you're doing and then asking yourself, is this serving me? And if the answer is no, then just get rid of it. It sounds too easy and simple <laughs> to work, but it's really that's simple you know if you look at like health and fitness if you pick up a slice of pizza or five slices of pizza and ask yourself like is this <laughs> does this serve my goal of getting shredded by my vacation the answer is no and you know most people know everybody really knows whether something is going to help them to move forward or not but having the discipline to follow through with that is the tough part so i think people most people know what they need to get rid of and what they need to 
eliminate or start doing, but to do it is another story. Uh, did you find when you were shifting, shifting your characteristics and stuff, the resistance to that change? And how, how did you overcome that part? Did you just cold turkey it? Because I find that people are either going to fight for their goals or they're going to fight for their limitations. So I guess the question is, how are you or how have you fought for your goals rather than fighting for your limitations to keep you where you're at? So I lean towards being all or nothing. In the past, when I was working before being a fitness coach, I was an architectural technologist. And the next step of my journey at that time was to quit my job and uh, follow my passion and to do what I loved for the rest of my life. And there was so much discomfort around that. The answer was to just do it, you know, but there was so much resistance. There were so many thoughts like, what will my employer think? What will my parents think? All those years that I went to school, was it all just useless and pointless and going to waste now? But I knew that that was the next step to take. And I knew that that was the one thing that I had to do. So being an all or nothing guy, I just did it. And I'm happy that I did. And my life changed and I met really cool people and I've accomplished all of my goals. And it was the best thing that I could have ever done for myself. So all or nothing worked at that time. But as I've gotten older and I've gotten new responsibilities with my family and my business, I can't be all or nothing anymore. So now it's a lot more challenging because if I go all or nothing, the people around me are going to be like, what's up with Nico? What's up with dad? What's up with this guy? Is he crazy? There'll be no stability and structure on the leader that I am to them. So things have to shift now. Instead of being all or nothing, I need to be more aware of how far I'm willing to push. And navigating that is not easy. Journaling really helps. Praying helps me out. And good night's sleep helps too. <laughs> and usually those few things, I find my answer in the morning, right? But the timeline to make things happen are no longer overnight. It might take me a year to follow through with a decision or six months or two years. Now things are a little bit more chill and I'm a little bit more patient. And I think that's a luxury that you have when you've been grinding for whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish like with your business with your health at the beginning everything's hard everything's you need to do the hard shitty stuff to get any form of results but then after you've gotten the results and things are just a part of your life now to continue seeing progress it's no longer a drastic shift in what you need to do it's like one small habit at a time and assessing if those habits are worth eliminating assessing if new habits are worth introducing and when can you do these things and how long is it really going to take realistically for you to make it happen so things are a little bit slower now with my execution but it still just comes down to taking that next step and being able to assess like where you are in your life and your journey I think something that's really cool to add on to that too is uh, um, when you when you build up the foundation to the point where you can make micro adjustments. So I find when you're first starting out, whether it's your health or your wealth, 
relationships, happiness. It's, it's holy shit. I got to do so much work. And I think, I think when we start to realize that the pieces are going into place and a majority of the plate pieces that we put into place don't really have to move. And then later on, it's not big sweeps of decisions anymore. It's just small little micro adjustments. It's just like little, little, little tweaks. And in my, in my opinion, I think that's the, that as someone first starting out in whatever the journey is, is to understand that it only sucks right now, not forever. And building a foundation will allow for easier decision-making because when you're, when you're talking how you're crashing it through your twenties, now you're a father, you're crushing a business, you're an awesome husband, you worked your butt off to build a foundation. And I think in this nice level of comfort, you probably are thinking clearer than you ever have. You think that, but no. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, no, 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 no. Like everything's like 2020 in hindsight when I look in the rear view and I'm like, yeah, that was a good call. But now to move forward, it's still just as challenging because I don't know what I don't know. You know, so I know what to do to keep everything the same. But to take it to the next level, I have gut feelings with what I think is going to work. And then I have other feelings and proof that that might not work. So past experience is affecting how I move forward. But that's the challenging part. Earlier I said, like, you know, most people know what they need to do to make a change. When you get more advanced, it's a little less clear, I find. Because at the beginning, like, let's look at the health and fitness. You know you got to go to the gym. You know you need to start eating healthier and cutting out junk food. Simple stuff like that. But then when you get more advanced, like you're six years in uh, working out, you've been training six days a week, you're introducing all of these new advanced training techniques like superset, cluster sets, pause rep sets sometimes you just max out and you've tapped out all of your resources and you've done it so consistently and because you're so much farther along the game with your health and fitness progress isn't going to be as quick as when you're a beginner so you're doing so much more and the progress is so much smaller it's very easy to like second guess yourself and wonder is there something i just don't know yet that i need to make a change with and i need to start doing and that's the challenge that you face the further along you get into the game it's like what do I do now? That's actually, that never disappears. Now, now that you mention it, now I'm thinking about it. That just goes to show what I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> thinking, thinking. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it becomes. But now you, now that you mention it, now I'm reflecting on it. And it's, is, yeah, it's, it's. You open up a door, and you're like, finally, I figured out the lock. And then you open up the door, and you're like, I'm in a whole different place now. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then. And I think, I think that's when like drawing on our past experiences and thinking to ourselves, oh yeah, we were able to, we were able to overcome this before we're able to overcome that now. Do you, do you find, do you find, do you find that how do you find folks have the highest rate of success and let's just say like health and fitness. Yeah. How do you find that 
clients that come to you have the highest rate for success. What are like two or three things that they implement across like generalized, of course, rather than specific, even though we were talking about specifics earlier, but what do you think are some thing misconceptions that people have around fitness that you've coached clients through that's like, Oh, you know what? Like, this is, this is like a silly, this is just something that's been said. We're actually going to do it this way because of the higher probability of success. Oh, to generalize it all. Uh, I think people need to, the people who I found successful in my program are the ones who are okay with keeping it simple. There are times where I give a program and people think that this, this looks too easy <laughs> and they might start overcomplicating it. Mm -hmm. And the people who are like, okay, let's just go ahead and do this they find success because it's in business. I say simple scales and with health and fitness, it's the same thing too. If we can just keep things nice and simple, your life gets easy. So that's one, the people who are able to keep it simple and are okay with keeping it simple. Once you start overcomplicating it, you slow down, it takes up your energy, takes up your headspace. You don't put in as much effort into what you're doing because you don't believe in it. Just keep it simple. And then the second thing is, People are going to do it whether they feel like it or not. They just follow through with going to the gym, meal prepping on the days where they don't feel like it. And they find success. So I say those two things. Keeping it simple and just doing the shit that you don't want to do regardless if you feel like it or not. You mean that I can't change how I... or You mean that or is to say the world doesn't have to change for how I feel. <laughs> no. And I still Sounds have to do millennial. Yeah. And I still have to put in the work in order to get what I want. Yeah, that's it. No plan works unless like no plan will work unless you work. Yeah. That's totally sweet because yeah. And, and they say like, uh, even if you have the shittiest program, the shittiest program executed is still going to have more results than the perfect program not executed. Facts. Yeah, that's craziness. It's, it's so interesting. Uh, where What are some narratives or let's say societal narratives? I like to go with societal narratives because I think that there's there's too many things. This is a better way of putting it. Society in my opinion, is designed for servitude and thinking is a threat. Are there any societal stories, narratives, expectations uh, that in your, in your life that you've uh, really, you've rejected? And then by rejecting that, you were able to make progress, basically. Mm. One off the top of my head really sticks out because I was just thinking about this when I read something yesterday and it was kind of unintentional how I avoided it, but it's the school system, the typical school system and the workplace nine to five, Monday to Friday. Like that stuff is very new. We've been around for thousands of years, but that's lifestyle has only been like the past couple of centuries, right? And it's designed for people to be good workers that's what school's designed to do 
You, you show up nine to five, you get a lunch break, get a couple of recesses in the earlier years, but eventually you just get one lunch break, like a normal person who works a nine to five. And you get taught a bunch of things that are going to help you to execute a job, not necessarily succeed in your life and the goals that you want. Like most people want to succeed in getting in shape, being wealthy, starting a family. You don't learn that stuff in school. They don't teach you how to get in shape, how to eat healthy. They don't teach you how to manage your finances and budget and allocate your resources appropriately. They don't teach you how to save and invest. They don't teach you how to communicate with uh, with people and conflict, conflict resolution and having tough conversations. You don't get the basics of succeeding and crushing at life through school. You learn trigonometry. You learn random shit. <laughs> and... It's designed to help you just succeed at your typical nine to five when you finish school, you know, like the average amount of time to condition yourself to a new habit and to a new lifestyle. I forget what the time frame time frame is for that, but it's roughly the amount of time dedicated towards school. And by the time everybody graduates, we're like, all right, what's next? It's nine to five at a company Monday to Friday, like I've been doing for the past 10 years. And that was designed by... I think it was Henry Ford, this Ford company. He designed a typical nine-to-five workday so that yeah. his workers would get the job done. And then every other company saw that Ford Motor Company is the biggest company in the world at this time. Let's all adopt this new work schedule, nine-to-five. And then all of a sudden, we're in 2023, and that's the majority of our society living their lives, going to school, being told if they're an A-plus student or a D student. You go to your workplace, you're either an A-plus worker or a D worker at your quarterly review. And then people live their lives for the next 40, 50 years doing a job with the dream that they can live the last 10 years of their life doing whatever they want. And some people love it. You know, I'm not going to bash on people who love their nine to five it's totally cool it's amazing if you do but there are plenty of people who are not aware of this is how society has been designed and they go through the motions and they never live their lives to their truest potential because maybe they weren't designed to work a nine to five maybe that's not what their life was supposed to be um, for me i was lucky because i went to a school that was not designed like a normal school normal school you clock in clock out and you show up for your lecture or whatever, and then that's your school day. I went to a high school that I had to design my own schedule. I started my work or started my school day with an agenda. I wrote down where I was going to go for 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. I was in control of my schedule. I was in charge of my curriculum. I was in charge of how I was going to dedicate my energy and my time, and I had to be aware of my deadlines. And I was essentially being conditioned to become an entrepreneur, to become a business owner who could do time management and prioritize. And I was lucky that that was the school that I went to because it taught, taught me how to think for myself. And then when I went to post-secondary, the people who went to a normal school, they struggled, but I was able mm. to be aware of how the system worked. And since then, with my work life, I approach things in a very similar way. It's, uh, I'm thinking a little bit outside of the box because I went to such a, a unique school. And 
that's what gave me the confidence to start my own business venture and create my own schedule and prioritize and time management and stuff like that. I just went to a different school than the ones that everybody else typically goes to. That's pretty cool. I mostly worked through high school, so I had a lot more input from older folks, uh, people that just worked because I was in the restaurant industry and I, I didn't go to like high school parties because I was too busy just working Friday, Saturday, Sunday, worked, 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 but I like it. I found that I had a very high stress threshold and I've developed a very high stress threshold while in a restaurant industry because it's just nonstop. Yeah. And it's also not exactly the best place for, uh, habits. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I, I, it was quite the, it was quite the ship, but I found that I learned more from the the wisdom and the experience of the older folks that were working around me than I ever did in high school. Mm-hmm. Or not ever did Absolutely. in high school. There were some teachers that really that stand out where they are more in support of try try your own thing, become your own person. Like think of like the personality. Don't just accept what is said and then just go willy nilly. Yeah, I find that to be that's pretty cool that you went to a high school that. Uh, that was the kind of, that was, that's the the construct. I think that's really cool. Sometimes a neat little fun fact about school. Uh, and I could be wrong about this one, but <clears throat> last I heard of it, it's really based off of uh, the ancient Roman system where basically Rome went, covered a whole bunch of ground and it's a militaristic society and mm-hmm. critical thinking and individual thinking is not the best when it comes to military and because it went so far west we just adopted the same kind of similar schooling systems or education systems minus philosophy and critical thinking which i think would be really cool if we were able to introduce that in like grade school like obstacle is the way by ryan holiday or some sort of a stoic like this is this is how you would respond rather than react. Like I think those could be really cool lessons to learn. But uh, yeah. yeah, so our school system is really based off of the militaristic system of, okay, let's make some good soldiers. Let's make good soldiers. Good soldiers just do. They don't think. We tell them what to think and what to do. So I, I, I totally agree with you where school is there to teach us how to think or no, to teach us what to think, not how to think. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's interesting. That's really, really scary. It is designed to be good soldiers. Now it's just designed to be good workers. Uh, it's sad. So what do you think? Uh, and I think this is really cool. I think it's interesting to ask, like, what do you think are going to be some ways that you're going to introduce this independent thought into your kids? Cause they're going to be going to school uh, at some point. So how are you going to, how are you going to handle that balance between what school is saying and just your own life experience? Yeah. I, I initially wanted them to go to that same high school, but now we moved so far away from it. <laughs> uh, at this point, I just need to focus on the things that school's not going to teach them and teach them those things at home. You know, now I'm going to teach them time management, teach them budgeting and communication, having tough conversations, the skills that are going to help them to succeed in any area of their life, but they're not going to get in school. So yeah, my kids are just going to have to learn outside of school at the same time. Sucks to be them. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that'll be cool. I think your kids will turn out to be uh, pretty decent, especially because little biased on this one, but I, I would definitely say from being or living in New Brunswick and being born in New Brunswick, and I moved out to Alberta like when I was like 12-ish, 12, 13, the environment there is very, I, there is a positive contribution. Like there is a vibe that can carry over and it helps with relationship building a lot, I find. Mm. So I think the the province that you're in compared to Ontario, where it's going to be go, 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 I think is going to introduce a much calmer demeanor to your kiddos. Yeah, I can see that 100%. Now, it's going to be interesting to see if I need to teach them how to have that go, go, go drive or if that's even important to them. So we'll see. Oh, that's like an interesting, that's an interesting thought too. Yeah, I dig that. I dig that. Uh, Nico, my man, is there any uh, questions that you can think of that I have not asked you that you would like to uh, go down a rabbit hole of? Oh, I don't know, Kyle. You've asked me a ton of different questions and <laughs> we went all over the place with this one. <laughs> I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Sweet. Well, my friend, uh, we're at the top of the hour and I just don't want to take up too much of your time. And it was a fantastic conversation. Uh, is there... Well, share share with uh, the folks where to find you. Uh, the best place to find me would be on Instagram at Coach Nico D. So it's Coach N I C K O D, and GoldCrusherAcademy.com. If you want to learn more about our health and fitness coaching program, that'd be the site to check out. That's fantastic. And who are the people that would be interested in your program? Hard workers. You need to be disciplined. You need to have those character traits already instilled to truly benefit from our program. We're going to help you along the way, regardless if you have odd hours, like a nurse practitioner or in control of your hours, like a business owner or work a steady nine to five. If you've got the character traits necessary to succeed in other areas of your life, we're going to design a personalized performance plan to help you get to your goals with health and fitness. But you must have that drive, that that innate drive to be more, to do more and to become the best version of yourself. I think that's absolutely awesome. So <clears throat> got two questions that I like to end this with. First one, it's a good one. Uh, it's really dark, but it's good. You're on your deathbed. No content of yours exists. This podcast doesn't exist. Instagram's gone. Anything that you have ever recorded, written, vanishes. You're on your deathbed. What is the lesson that you want to pass on to the people around you? Oh, that is a loaded question. Oh my god! Ah, it's one thing, eh? Ah, let's see. I think the lesson that I would want to share is. Uh, I want to give more than just one lesson. All right. So Go for it. the people around me are going to be my family. And within my family, we have family values. And our family values include love and respect, to learn and grow, to be responsible, and to find fun. And that's what I would just emphasize, is to do those things, and your life is going to be awesome. If you treat people with love and respect, you'll receive love and respect. Hopefully, but you'll feel good to be loving and respectful to those around you. That's what God wants of us. 
do that first. Be responsible. It's going to help you with everything in your life if you take responsibility. And to learn and grow is to truly live and to find fun along the way is how you're going to make the whole process worth it. So if you do those things, doesn't matter what else you do with your life, you're going to have a good life. Oh, that's fantastic, dude. Uh, and then the final question, that was a really good answer. Nicely done. And then the final answer, uh, it's uh, the title of the podcast is The Limitless Life. What advice would you give or what would you define or how would you define living a limitless life? Or how would someone live a limitless life? You need to know that you can accomplish anything that you set your mind to. That belief you might have had as a kid, you might have had as an adult, it might have disappeared at some point. Wherever you are, where you stand, you must remember that that is a key piece of the puzzle to living a limitless life. If you need to recultivate that, make that your top priority. You cannot accomplish anything you set your mind to if you don't believe that you can. And we all are truly capable of accomplishing big things. We need to remind ourselves of that. Wow. Okay, that was a good... I felt that one, dude. I felt that one. So, friends, the tribe, the Limitless Life tribe, if you're listening, thank you very much. And as always, if you're on a podcast app, be sure to subscribe, turn on notifications, leave a five-star review. Uh, let me know in the comments what your favorite takeaway of Nico's podcast is. On YouTube, same thing. Be sure to subscribe, turn on notifications, leave your favorite takeaway in the YouTube. And outside of that, just be sure to share it out to your friends, share it out to a story. You can tag me at Warrior Body. Kyle and Nico at coach Nico D did I get it? Yes. You got it. So thank you very much, folks. I appreciate you being here. You are amazing. Live a limitless life. And as always, I hope your day treats you as good as you look. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Before you go, I would like to ask a small, small favor from you, and that would be to subscribe wherever you are listening to this. If it's on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube. If it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, click subscribe so you will get more of these podcast episodes. It would mean the world to me. I truly, truly appreciate it. And while you're at it, if you can share this episode with a friend, that would be amazing. Thank you very much, and I'll chat with you later.